In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today, as we celebrate the Solemnity of Saint Joseph, we know it has a special flavor for us to, as well, because it also turns out to be the ninth anniversary of the installation of Pope Francis in St. Peter's Square as Pope. And as well, it is the day in which all over the world, our brothers and sisters in the work will be renewing their vocation, renewing the gift of themselves, and happy to give themselves over to this to this divine adventure. Pope Francis also gave himself over to this divine vocation that he received when he was elected Pope. And we didn't really know who he was. I, I, well, I certainly didn't know who he was as he stood there on the balcony asking for our prayers. But since that time, we have certainly come to know him. And there are many sort of elements of his pontificate that have come out that one could, that we could talk about that are distinctive to him. I saw an article that underlined nine characteristics of the last nine years, each one with its, with its special tone. He spoke about uh, fraternity as something that he spoke about in his inaugural address and later articulated more clearly in his encyclical letter Fratelli Tutti, where he's really seeking unity and peace in the world. And of course, central was mercy or underlining God's mercy. It already came in the very papal model, model that he used, miserando adque eligendo, a text or a phrase that came from St. Bede, but that he used to refer to his own vocation as a priest and to his own conversion, where he deeply felt that the Lord was waiting for him as when he was a, a young man and that the Lord had come out to meet him. And it, and it fits very well also today on St. Joseph because we underline today on the Feast of St. Joseph, as our Father wanted, that choice that God made of us in our divine vocation. And you'll recall how he, he, had, he was very young at that time and uh, he was going out with a group of friends uh, to go into town. I don't know if they were going to go see a football game or something. And then he saw this church in Buenos Aires. And he's often mentioned this, especially to the youth. 
But as he was passing by, he saw this church that he was familiar with, and uh, it's actually quite an old church, uh, and he he saw a confessional there in the end, and he saw a priest go in, and he recounts often that he decided just to go to confession. It wasn't a big deal, it wasn't a huge thing for him at that moment, but he said, that confession changed my life. Because for him, it was Christ coming to encounter him. Christ had been waiting for him on the corner of the street, so to speak. He said, my life was not the same. He understood that, that our Lord had come to meet him, to greet him. It was not he who was looking. It was Christ who came to see him. And that was all in, in the context of Christ's forgiveness and his mercy. And he comes to meet us as well. And he never, never ceases to forgive us. Never tires of forgiving. Perhaps the better, that's a better way of saying Our Lord never tires. We come back to him with our same problems, our same issues. And we might think our Lord's going to say, look, come on, man. You know, get a grip. You know? And uh, he doesn't say that. He always forgives then you'll remember on account of that he had the jubilee of mercy the world day of the poor in which he, he wanted mercy not just to be a parenthesis it's like not something that we experience only when we go to confession of course confession changes our life as well and it's, the, and it's sacramental grace but it's mercy is something that has got to be translated in the way we open the door the way we deal with each other And that's been a big theme for him, mercy. Misericordia atque eligendo. In, in the sense that if we are not really fully entrenched in having merciful hearts, it's as though we are, we are sabotaging the possibility of eligendo. Right? The possibility of ourselves being chosen and others being chosen. Fraternity, mercy, and then what he, in Spanish you would say custodia, custodia, or I guess uh, custody or or guardianship. And there, of course, is what he talked about on his inaugural address. There, we of course we have the example of Saint Joseph, because he is the patron of the Universal Church. He's the protector of the Church, often seen in images where uh, an angel is entrusting him with a big, huge basilica of St. Peter's Basilica, right? He's, Joseph is there with the child, and this angel is coming here. Take this. You have to protect this church. Right? And it's like a model of St. Peter's Basilica. And he holds it, and then he holds next to him Jesus. That's a, that's a popular 19th century image of Joseph as universal protector of, of the Catholic Church or patron of the universal church and he of course was given the biggest responsibility you could ever be entrusted with the guardianship the care, the protection of the holiest people have ever existed, the Blessed Virgin Mary and the child Jesus. He was given that huge responsibility. 
and to be protector truly was all about practical decisions. It was all about prudence. It was all really about his humility. And that's why Pope Francis says that uh, St. Joseph is really an extraordinary figure, not because of any, any astonishing charisms or any special status. After all, we know he didn't even say, at least there's not a single word of his that is recorded in the Gospel. So he's not extraordinary because of his charisms or status, but because he accomplished extraordinary acts of service in his daily life. Extraordinary acts of service in his daily life. He said, the Pope said, God looks on the heart, and in St. Joseph, he recognized the heart of a father, able to give and generate life in the midst of daily routines. And that's why we have to go to him, because we too have these daily responsibilities and daily spirit of service to live out. And vocations have the same goal of begetting and renewing life in others. And the Pope speaks about what he calls the that phrase, the creative courage of St. Joseph. Creatively courageous father. He wrote about that in the encyclical letter on St. Joseph in the year of St. Joseph. He said, uh, if the first stage of all true interior healing is to accept our personal history and embrace even the things in life that we did not choose, we must now add another important element. Creative courage. So all things we have to embrace that we didn't really want, situations, momentary situations, sometimes people, contexts, and now embrace this. It could be a sickness, it could be an illness, it could be lack of time, our own fragility, but not creative courage. He said this emerges especially in the way we deal with difficulties. In the face of difficulty, we can either give up and walk away, or somehow engage with it. At times, difficulties bring out resources we did not even think we had. And this is in particular what we ask St. Joseph today. Sometimes we want to throw up our arms, we're too tired, we're exhausted, we're facing difficulties, lack of manpower, lack of time, too much to do, tiredness, and we may have that temptation to look at this, we need, uh, we need some more people here, we need some help here, so that others can face the difficulties. <laughs> so I don't have to do this <laughs> this is too much for me no 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 you click the creative courage button click and then you'll be like you know Superman or something I don't know but uh, 
You know, there's that scene in the Superman movie where Lois Lane begins to suspect that Clark Kent is actually Superman. And there's a picture in the paper of Superman, and she, she looks at it, she looks at Clark Kent, she looks back at Superman, looks at Clark Kent, and she's kind of looking at me, it's so obvious, but anyway, she still pretends not to. And then she starts to draw on the picture of Superman, first a hat, then glasses, and then, you know, like it's like, duh, it's obvious, right? And uh, she's so suddenly convinced that it's him, and she starts making hints at, Sup- at, uh, at Clark Kent, you know, you're probably the guy who flies, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he says, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? And then she finally decides, and she opens the window in the office, and it's like 20 floors up or whatever, and she throws herself out. <laughs> and she says, uh, you saved me. And he goes, and he hears her screaming going down, and then he, and he goes down. Of course, he saves her. But she doesn't realize that he actually did it because he is able to transform himself back to Clark, uh, Clark Kent, you know. And she doesn't realize that Superman came in the whole time, <laughs> you know. Because so, he, he comes in there and he blows and the wind lets her down gently, but he's still Clark Kent, you know. So, so we may want, like, a Superman to come in once in a while when we throw ourselves out a window, right? or something like that, right? But we need creative courage. And first of all, not throw ourselves out the window. So the Pope gives the example. When Joseph was chosen, was the chosen man by God to guide the beginnings of the history of redemption, he was the true, quote, miracle by which God saves and the child and his mother, which, by which God saves the child and his mother. God acted by trusting in Joseph's creative courage. Arriving in Bethlehem and finding no lodgings where Mary could give birth, Joseph took his table as best he could, and he turned it into a welcoming home for the Son of God come into the world. There's no hotel, there's no hospital for you to give birth, there's no, you know... What do we do? And uh, well, there's a sidewalk here. We can use the sidewalk. But uh, uh, so Joseph saw a stable in the distance. Maybe he heard the braying of a donkey or something, and that immediately, right, set his alarm. And he said, "Okay, maybe maybe a stable. Okay, we can't get a five-star hotel, but uh, this is going to be this is this will work, I think." And he gets in there, and it smells, and there's hay, and there's so. He made it into a home. I mean, like, St. Joseph would have been the first numerous assistant. I mean, right there. You know? <laughs> Except that he's a man, so that, that, that didn't work, you know. Yeah, he could have gone in there. He's a messy place. He, like Superman, goes in there and he fixes it up. And then at the last minute, a nice little, nice little vase of flowers there, just in the corner, right? I'm sure he, uh, well, I don't know if he did that, but, right? And then Mary was, oh, that's wonderful, it's just perfect. You know, she probably said something like that, even though it was far from perfect, but, so we ask you, Lord, show me where I can live that creative courage in the next weeks, like 
like when Joseph had to find those creative solutions. As he did when he had to flee from Herod. That was a creative solution as well. Flee in the middle of the night, like the people in Ukraine are doing now. And he said, okay, we can't take that, we can't take this. Just one piece of luggage, that's it. And, okay, you're going to have to leave your computer behind. It's just, let's go. And uh, Joseph does this, and we know about it, even if he doesn't utter a single word in the gospel. No words are recorded. And that's the, that's the custodianship of uh, Joseph that we have to feel. You know, the, the Father has said numerous times that he wants us to feel the weight of our vocation. You know, a sign that a person is truly engaged in their vocation and that they will be faithful is that they, they feel the weight of the, of the issues, the, the problems, right? They, they feel that this is their responsibility. They don't think, well, it's not my problem. This, you know, the, the lack of money here is not a problem. The lack of uh, time is not a problem. It's not my problem. They feel engaged in this. You know, we should ask ourselves this when we hear about the different uh, difficulties that we may face. Do I really take this on as my responsibility to fix in some way? Of course, each person has their place, but, but uh, in some way, the difficulties, as the Pope says, the difficulties, you know, they do something to us. They improve us. They enrich us. We become a premium version of ourselves. Like when you go to the gas station, you have th three pumps. You have regular, premium, and extra. Right? So I, I never use extra. It's more expensive, but premium works. But once in a while, you just got to press the extra, premium, whatever button. right? Because you have a long drive ahead of you, you need, you need the energy. Now, the Pope has said often, as we know, that, that Joseph received this mission, this responsibility in, in, uh, in dreams. But he was not a dreamer in the sense that he was in the clouds. He was, he was truly real. Often paintings show the Holy Family or scenes of nativity with the mother and the child. And Joseph off at a corner, and his head is kind of leaning on his hand in a gesture that is meant to signify or to suggest that he's, he's asleep. But of course, he's asleep, but you know, when you're asleep, you're in the most vulnerable position possible. You, you are totally, I mean, I'm asleep, then you, get, I mean, you don't know what's going on. You know? The frat boys can be making a racket, and I don't, I don't even know what's going on. So, but when you dream, a horizon is open to you. When you dream, new worlds are open to you. I sometimes think that, although it says, you know, the angel appeared to him in a dream and he's shown sleeping, maybe, I don't think it was actual sleep as in you know, snoring and completely out of it. I think it's a form, it could be a form of discernment in which he used the images that he saw in the dream to pray and to discern the best action to take 
I mean, when a dream, like, like what Joseph received, changes the course of your life, that means you've been paying attention. I mean, people do say that. They, I had a dream and this happened, uh, and then I, you know, this changed my life. I suppose it does happen, you know, but... Uh, you know, one thing we have to do, this is another thing that the Pope in his last nine years has insisted on a lot, is help young people to dream. And um, and the Holy Father has spoken about this. He said this, uh, we saw recently a, a little video clip uh, of the Pope. Well, it was a video of a talk, a conference given by uh, a numerary priest. His name is Lucas Buk. And he's written a number of wonderful books and stuff. And he's given conferences about the teachings of, Saint, of, of, of Pope Francis. And in one moment, he, he showed a video of the Pope in Latin America. And this was, uh, I believe it was in Cuba. And so it was an encounter with youth, right? So uh, in this encounter, the Pope had a talk ready to give. But first, the youth uh, started making interventions and talking about their issues and their problems and stuff in Cuba and whatever difficulties. And uh, the Pope was really listening, right? And he had his paper ready, but as one of the young fellows was talking, the Pope went to his guy and he said, take this paper. And, and he took, you know, he gave away his paper and he started asking, he asked for a piece of paper to, to write on. And he got a pen and he started writing what this little guy was saying. You know, and, uh, and the fellow finished speaking and, and then the Holy Father just like ad libidum just without referring to his notes, the, 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 at least the prepared speech, he started speaking or inviting them to, to dream. And that he didn't want them to become, you know, to identify happiness with the sofa, the happiness of the couch potatoes. And that we have not come here, he said, to vegetate. And then he referred, there he's speaking in Spanish, He's, he's referring to a Latin American writer, and he said there was a Latin American writer who said that man has two eyes. One is made of flesh, and the other is made of glass. The eye of flesh, he said, is what we use to see the things right before us. The, just to see whatever's before us, we use the eye of flesh. But the eye of glass, we use it to see our dreams. And then people started clapping. We see our dreams. And uh, the Pope said, It's lindo, eh? It's lindo. It's <laughs> funny the way he says, Lindo. Eh? One for the flesh to see normal human vision. One of glass to see our dreams. And and so he said that in the objectivity of life, the capacity of dreaming has to enter in. And I think you no doubt did some of that dreaming last night as you wrote the St. Joseph List. He said, a young person who is not capable of dreaming is cloistered in himself or herself. She's closed in on herself. Sure, a person sometimes dreams of things that are never going to happen. But dream them. Desire them. Seek the, this horizon. 
Open yourself, he said, to great things. And this is not just an image he used on that occasion. This is something he's repeated often. He said that if a young person in particular does not dream, he will snap. He will break. We have to dream. And he said that in, in some way, it's like saying, if we don't dream, it's hard to see how we can persevere. I'm not just here to do material things. Especially in front of the experience of failure, the stories of adolescence, the, the challenges they have now. You know, adolescents are very fragile. They don't know where they're going, they don't know what they're doing. One thing we can do in particular today is dream. Is dream of how the Lord wants to use us, and and a key in which to interpret that, as the Pope often says, is through what he calls the revolution of tenderness, the revolution of joy. He wants he wants a church that is very close to the people. That's, that's us. That we, we are really close. We understand them. We listen to them. We have to be close to the, to the girls that come here. It's expressed through affection, active listening. Look at them. Look at them. Gain their confidence. Gain their trust. It's not enough for us simply to say interesting things. Because the relationships in the entire church are based on one thing. It's based on trust. The relationships. Why I do what the Father tells me, or if a priest tells me something, or a director tells me something, or the Pope tells me something. Why should I do that? Is it because, oh yeah, it's intellectually, that's profound, I will do that. No, it's because I trust them. I have confidence. And over the last years, the church has, has lost a lot of terrain in the area of trust. We still have to regain that trust. It is not a fait accompli. It's based on the same thing in the life of Christ. The apostles trusted our Lord. And defrauding this trust causes enormous amount of damage. St. Joseph, we could trust you. You had that creative courage. You know how to, you know, you know how to set up a stall into a, a beautiful place where the Son of God was to be born. And we entrust you, we trust you, but we entrust you our life so that you intercede for us and you will be our, like our protector, our custos, and will guide us in fidelity and perseverance for us and all the others in this this miraculous vocation we received this sense of responsibility that we received and to be actively engaged in the mission of the church and in the love of Jesus Christ I thank you my God for the good resolutions affections and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation I ask your help to put them into effect my Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.